stood uh, in the rabbi tunnel in Jerusalem, which is underneath the Wailing Wall area, and we were actually within 40 feet of the original Holy of Holies. And he would go in there, and they would actually tie a rope to the high priest's ankle. Because if he fell over dead because he had sin in his life, they'd have to pull him out and nobody else go in. Nobody wanted to go in there and die. The presence of God was pure and holy, and no one could stand before him. It was the blood of that lamb that covered Israel for the next year. So you had the blood cover the nation for the year. There are other sacrifices, but that was the big numero uno, the high priest, only one in the nation. Okay, God sent his only son to die on the cross, and you cannot have a new covenant without the shedding of blood. The shedding of blood helps initiate a covenant. We today in this culture uh, don't know much about covenant, but it is just not a marriage license. It is a marriage covenant. Okay? And two don't become one. Actually, it's three to become one because Jesus is just as much a part of your marriage as your spouse. It's the three of you together. What God has joined, let no man tear asunder. It's important. Now, Jesus became our high priest. He gave his blood. He gave his life for us. And there are things that he does about that role, that relationship to us as a high priest. This is where I want to start today because that's what the Holy Ghost uh, spoke into my heart about a week and a half ago to go here for today. And I, again, I'm very capable. If you want the life of David, if you want uh, an expose on Exodus and Moses and all that, I can do that stuff. But I prefer right now where we're at as a church to give you a right now, a right today word that we need to take the next steps where we are going. I don't want to sit still. I don't want to fall behind. I want to pursue what God has for us. And that means we all have to hear today with the heart of understanding and hear that we can take what we get today, apply it, the truth, to your personal life and gifts, and then collectively we do the work of the ministry, if you will, or advance the kingdom of God. I don't have the singing gift that Lucas has. There have been other people like Lucas and, and uh, a guy named Roger Blair and a few others. I wish I had that kind of strong power that could stay on tune because I don't stay on tune. I can make a joyful noise. But there are other things Jim can do that Lucas can't because I'm just me. You have individual gifts empowered, energized by the Holy Spirit. When released, you not only affect your life, but you affect all those in your life. It says go out into all the world. That literally means go out in the world where you live, even Council Bluffs. There you go. I included you this time. Okay. It's a third world country. Anyhow, I know I'm going to catch it later. No problem. But you understand, everyone in here, well, I'm 80 years old, I'm 60, I'm 70, I'm 10. I'm, it doesn't matter your age. It matters about your growth with the Holy Spirit. I grew up in a wonderful family, Catholic family, but I didn't know the Holy Spirit. We have children growing up now that have a relationship with the Holy Spirit as they grow. Isn't that awesome? It really is. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. Now the way the law said it for the Jews is if you were a Jew, you were circumcised, which means you had a covenant, and you were always a good Jew because you obey the law. Then came Jesus Christ who taught the things of the kingdom and got the Pharisees and those who wanted people under the law. They couldn't take it. The, 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 the scribes, matter of fact, they referred to Paul because he was the uh, Jew's Jew. He was the number one Pharisee in the land, taught by Gamaliel. He was the guy. And all of a sudden, he gets born again when he meets Jesus on the road. 
And they refer to him even to the last time we were in Israel as that guy, that guy. Referring to him as the guy who got so involved in the law, he had a mental breakdown and couldn't do it any longer. So he made up Christianity as a way to live without having to live by the law. Remember the first hundred years, the Christian church in anywhere that was in Israel wanted you, if you were a Gentile, you had to get circumcised and become a Jew Christian. You were still under the law. Paul did not teach that. He did not. Christianity was called the great confession or profession. Instead of the law, now I'm saying by faith and grace what God has said about me. I have access to the Father, not by the high priest. I have a high priest and I can come boldly to the throne room of grace. They had a hard time with that. When you're into law and do's and don'ts and I've got to earn it or he's going to beat me up and all this other stuff, this was really tough on a Jewish religious mind. i got news for you. It was tough on the Catholic boy. Kindergarten, grade school, high school, seminary to be a priest, the youngest ordained extraordinary minister who could hand out communion in the Archdiocese of Oma by age 20. That is my background. For me to... Take away, I have grown up as an altar boy and in church all the time. My mom played in the organ. We were at church five, six, early, all summer long, 6.30 mass. I'm there. I ride my bike and read the epistles. There's no one in my age. I was the only one to receive the Catholic Youth Award my senior year in high school. In the city. By the archbishop. I had the performance but I did not have a relationship. I told my mom, I've spent my whole life serving a God I'm afraid of and I do not know. I will spend the rest of my life getting to know the God who gave me Jesus. Amen. And you're just going to have to live with that. So I have a high priest and so do you. I tell you these things about me because we have new people in, but it's still, everyone has a religious Framing in their mind that this world does. And it's not what God said. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 says this. Wherefore, holy brethren here today at liberty, partakers of a heavenly calling, God has called you. Consider the apostle and the high priest of your confession. You have an apostle and a high priest of your confession. What does the high priest do? He takes the offering to God. The great profession, the confession is, I'm born again. I don't have to be perfect. He washed away all my sins. It's called the great confession, and Jesus is the high priest of it. So we don't make light the fact, oh, you're a Christian. Yeah, I am. I have a strong response to many of those things over there. No, 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 don't putz me off. Oh, you're one of those Christians. Yes, I am. Why aren't you? Oh, yeah. They went, put me on the backside, so I just pushed them back. Anybody? Yeah. He is the. I got born again. He's going to confess Jim McGaffin to his father. And I can't make light of that. I can't make light of that. He said, you'll be endued with power from on high. He gave us the Holy Spirit in us now. Not later. Not in a movie or a fairy tale. He gave him to us now. That just, wow. While we're in Hebrews, we're going to do two more scriptures. Hebrews 7. Verse 25. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost. No one's outside his range to get saved. Nobody's that bad that they can't turn to Jesus. Or it's too late. The guy on the cross made it 
I mean, it was over. And there are leaders in our land and in our world that we hate what they do. But I don't want them in hell. Am I making sense? There's no one outside of it. We got to do that in Omaha. It doesn't matter your color, your skin, your age. It doesn't matter. God loves people. He gave his son for all mankind. Amen? To the uttermost, that come unto God by him, seeing he liveth ever to make intercession for them. I want you to see the high priest is taking your confession. Who would have ever thought Jim McGaffin could become a Christian? People laughed from where I grew up and went to high school. (laughs) McGaffin got religion? They laughed at me. But Jesus confessed me before the Father that I'm one of His. And He ever lives. You don't imagine in your mind Jesus dying? He's eternal? It says He makes intercession for us. Even this moment, he's praying over Jeremy and Harlan and Paul's life. That what he has divinely put in a blueprint, a destiny for you, that you will full fill it. Jack, Mark, Eric, just fulfill it. He's interceding on your behalf. Even when I was screwing up, and I still screw up. He's still praying, I'll pull my head out of wherever it's located at that moment. Repent and come to light. I don't get in what used to be the trouble I get into. I get in trouble more in my mind by not making it think of what God says. Entertaining doubt and unbelief. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, because I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 4. Because we're right there. And it's verse... 15. For we have a high priest, which, for we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. This high priest knows exactly how you think and feel. Your situation is not new to him but was in all points tempted like we, yet was without sin. Jesus had to pay the price for all sin. Agreed? That means anything that you can think of as sin, he was tempted to. That is a a mind-blowing statement that Jesus could be tempted with this sin and that sin and that sin, but he paid the price for it all. He knows how you feel. And he has a sure word of prophecy, his word, that can get you out of the way you feel and think now. Now, I I just like, I heard click, 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 click. Ears are being turned off, not listening. I'm telling you, open them back up. Shift your dish. I'm telling you something that will change your life. And I know that I'm divinely ordained to bring this message today. I wish everyone that was part of this church was here to hear the same one. You might hear it a couple times, a couple different ways. But he's telling us in the last six months what the things we are to concentrate on to have him mature us in so that we walk in the divine things he has for us. I don't want an average marriage. I don't want an average family. I don't want to be an average church that does nothing. We get together, we eat some pie, we eat some barbecue rib. Oh, aren't we great? No, I want to see signs and wonders and miracles. I want to see the Holy Spirit fall on us. I want to see change. I don't want to just do a a wedding because someone wants to get married. I want to see them become one and watch their marriage explode. Just grow. I want to see little kids laying hands on the sick. I want to see Parker walking down, saying, hi, Pastor, show I'm praying in the Spirit. That's what happened to us with James. How old was he, sweetheart? 
five or six. He's coming down the stairs from upstairs down to the living room, and I'm going up, and he's making some gum. I said, James, what do you do? He goes, I'm praying in tongues. I didn't know at age five he could. I didn't know when it happened. Which is like, Dad, you're the pastor. You ought to have a clue. You know? <laughs> but I'm praying in tongues, five years old. I want supernatural. I don't want the leftover. Isaiah 55, verse 11. Let's turn there. Oh, thank you, Lord. 55, verse 11. This is the Father God talking. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void or empty. When he wants a, a harvest, he's going to get a harvest. Amen? It will accomplish that which I please, and it will prosper in the place I send it to. God's word from the high priest's intercession over your life is not going to return void. Cooperate with it. Let it be fulfilled in your life. Every person in here breathing has a horror story somewhere, somehow, some heartache thing that has happened in their life. Some of it you could say is worse than others, but all of us have gone through life, and life happens because of an imperfect world and sin. I wouldn't wish what I have gone through on any other person. And I'm sure, in reality, you wouldn't want what you have gone through on anybody else. The way to change it is to have your high priest intercede and say things over your life and you agree with it and act on it and see God's pattern, heavenly plan for your life, come to pass. Amen. How long is it going to take? I'm glad you asked that. Because I'm going to go to Jeremiah chapter 1. You know, I tried that for a week or two. Try it for life. I tried that breathing thing, and I just didn't get much out of it, so I'm not going to breathe anymore. It's called dying. Confession, the walk in Christianity, is a life of faith, not a moment, not a movement, not a day. Oh, how long is it going to take? doesn't matter in my life. All the promises are yes and amen to me, and they're coming to my life all the time. I am a magnet for the blessings of God. Are you? Yes. They come before me, behind me, they overtake me. Yes. God's blessings. Amen. Do they feel? Well, but you're in a wheelchair. He, my enemy tried to kill me, and he couldn't do it. Right. He lost again. Amen. What did you do? I laid in bed saying what God's word says about my life. You want to have a pity party? You think you can beat what I had sitting in front of me? I don't think you can. But I'm not going to stay there. No, no. God's word is alive. And sharper than any two-edged sword. You want to fight? I'm armed to fight. Jeremiah chapter 1. Verse 12. And the Lord said unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. I ask you, you have to see God's will in your life. If you will see His will in your life, He will hasten or move it along fast to perform it. What does He want from Jim McGaffin? What does He want from Howard? I have to see his will in his word where the high priest intercedes and speaks over my life. If I will agree with it, I will see it. He will hasten it to come. Well, but I just don't know. I, uh, I just don't know what the will of the Lord is. I just, like, I, I can't see it very well. Well, Psalms 119 Verse 106. 
119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's like half your Bible. Okay, 106. I have sworn and I will perform it that I will keep my righteous judgments. God has sworn to do it. He has sworn to do it. One, uh, one psalm says this, The word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my... Turn the lights off in here. You think in your mind, where are the pews? How many pews are there? The floor is going to slant. How do I get... I can't see anything. If I want to see, I turn on my flashlight, my phone, and it will give me light. Well, you know, he's going to hasten for me, but I just don't know what he wants. Get in his word. Let it dwell in you richly. And out of your heart, the abundance of the word of God in there, it will come out your mouth. I no longer talk like the Jim McGaffin that was in Pi Kappa Phi University fraternity at UNO. If I went to school today, I'm registered as a junior. I've got 67 hours over halfway there. But I'm not there. I'm here in the plan and will of God, which I did not know when I started. But now I see. I see his training. I see his victories. I see the enemy's attacks against what he's told me to do. I see the end more than I did from the beginning. But I get to see it. Because his word is a lamp unto my feet. Perfect way to start. I had someone text me yesterday. They're having a hard time uh, believing God loves them and loving people. And I told them, uh, love is a decision. It's, it has a feeling connected to it, but love is still a decision. You want to commit adultery, you're not going to feel good. You're right in the mix of a war inside yourself knowing it's wrong, yet you lust for it. Love is not a feeling. Love is a decision by faith through the Holy Spirit. I choose. I choose to prefer others. You go down the whole list in 1 Corinthians 13. I choose to do that. I choose to prefer someone else other than myself. Do I feel like it? No, I'd like to rebut and I'd like to argue with you. But that's not the love of God. If anyone in here is married, you're going to be challenged to give your opinion when you should shut up. I'm, or I'm the only one. I'm, I'm, okay. I, you know you're right and they're wrong and you... I, I've got to say something. No, you don't. Love does not insist on its own way. Well, then he or she'll get which, her way all the time. Yes! That's what you signed up for. Jesus, have your way with my life. I signed up for that covenant. On earth, the representation of that is a man and a woman like Christ to the church. I signed up to serve my wife. Well, no, but you're the head of the household. I am the head of the household when I love her like Christ loves the church and gave himself for it. Jesus serves the church. He doesn't lord over it. I signed on for that. It's called covenant. It's the only way in my experience and opinion that you can have truly a loving marriage that lasts season after season after season actually gets better because you walk in love better. I'm walking in love a lot better than I was when I was 24. I was cuter at 24, but I wasn't walking in love as good as I can now. How do you know that? Because I would have beat the snot out of a whole bunch of Christians who betrayed me, lied. I had a Christian who used to come to our church and said, Oh, Pastor Jim, so good to see you. Uh, how are you doing now that you lost the church? Excuse me? Well, you committed adultery and they took the church away from you. That's what I was told. Excuse me? No, I'm senior pastor and founder of that church. There's never been adultery and never will. Who told you that? Former members. They must know because they saw, they heard. 
for all the stuff I've been lied on, we record everything. If I do a mistake, it's on the CD. I'm telling you this so that you will let the word be a lamp unto your feet. I'm not going to respond to those losers. Their words, they mean nothing to me. Well, don't hurt your feelings. If you let them, if you let them, but God's word in Psalms, or Proverbs, that's why we read a proverb today. Tells you not to let that, don't let the words of a fool enter into your heart. No problem. They're fools. I didn't call them stupid. I got to watch my mouth, okay? Fool does not mean stupid. Fool means someone who doesn't obey God's word. In Proverbs, someone who won't obey the word is a fool. Not a dummy, a fool. Amen. Good going. Let's go to Mark 11, 23 and 24. Are we doing okay? Am I being too mean? I'll try harder. We can take a verse and study a verse, and that's fine. But sometimes you have to take the entirety of where it was and how it was said to get a better understanding of those words. Agreed? Mark 11, we always go to 23 or 24. We're going to get there, but we're going to start in verse 12. And on the morrow, the morning, when they come to Bethany, Bethany is a suburb of Jerusalem, so he was at a place where he lives, and now he's uh, coming. Uh, Jesus, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he become happy that he might find, uh, therefore, some be found uh, to eat. And when he came to it, it says, he came to it, he found nothing for the leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. I have an interesting thing. He's going to curse this fig tree in a minute. And wasn't figs put on by Adam and Eve? Fig leaves. I don't know what to get out of that. That just intrigues me. Why the fig tree at this moment? Okay? And Jesus answered said unto it, No man eat food of thee hereafter for other. And his disciples heard it. A simple little verse there is big. He spoke to a tree. Believers, he spoke to a tree. Jesus, he spoke. What are you speaking to in your life? And the tree heard it. Isn't that what it says? I ask you the things that you speak into your life, inanimate things, things of your future, things as they are that have to change, it will hear it if you will speak it. And I like the fact that the disciples heard it because the disciples aren't going to follow a crazy man. I think Jesus is losing it. He's had one too many miracles or one too many demon things. He's talking to trees now. They heard it because it becomes important later. When they come to Jerusalem, Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that uh, bought the temple and overthrew the tables and money changers. And he would not suffer that any man should carry a vessel. Basically, you're breaking the law. You're changing the temple from a place of God to commerce. They were making money. And Jesus, he said this, Is it not written that my house should be called of all nations a house of prayer? And you've made it a den of thieves. Later on, for reference, he went into Jerusalem and he went into the temple. You know who sat at the temple every day while Jesus went in there? The beggar who couldn't walk that Peter healed. Judas gave money because it is part of the law. Judas put money in that basket every time they went in from the purse that Jesus carried. That's why Peter says, silver and gold I don't have, but such that I have, I'll give thee. Will you give what you've got? Do you, are, are you aware what you've got? Are you aware of the words that can come out of your mouth that your high priest can take mixed in the word of God and cause miraculous change in your life? That's what we're talking about. The scribes, the priests heard it. They thought how they might destroy him. They're a little unhappy with Jesus because, by the way, the scribes, the priests got a cut of the money. The guys are doing the vending and stuff like that. Oh, your, your lamb is not good enough. You're going to have to go over here and buy one over here. 
And so they go over there, and then they take this one that's not good enough, and they swing it around, and the next guy buys that one. It was a racket. Everybody made money. But they feared Jesus because all the people were astonished at his doctrine. And when evening was come, he went out of the city. He went back to Bethany to sleep. In the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. To me, there is a difference. If you are aware of Nebraska in July, uh, you will see the grass. It's, there's not a lot of rain or even on trees. You'll see the leaves at the top get burnt by the sun, but you can still see that there's life in the grass underneath. It's just it got burnt. Anybody? But all of a sudden, it's dried up from the roots. Peter, calling to remembrance, saith, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. That had to be an astonishing moment. Deborah and I were in the Mount of Olives, and they had trees and something. I can't imagine speaking to one of those big, huge fig trees, and it dried up from the roots. It looked like it was so good yesterday that it should have fruit on it, and now it doesn't, and it's dead. That would catch your attention. So Jesus is going to teach them, the disciples, about faith right now. Here it comes. Have faith in God. You can look up and say, have the faith of God. This is how faith works. The faith of God works. This is what he's saying. Have faith in God. Understand faith. Okay. For I'm telling you the truth, or verily, I say unto you, whosoever, we have a room filled with whosoever's. It doesn't say it just works for Ellen or Sheila. It works for whosoever's. Regardless of nation, regardless of background, regardless of upbringing, it doesn't matter. It works for whosoever's. So say unto this mountain, we were there. They don't have, let's say, like the Rockies, but they have mountainous terrains all around sections. I mean, gosh, it says they go to the wilderness. You go up to Jerusalem. That's almost a mountain going up to Jerusalem, and you're down with the Dead Sea. That's the wilderness, the plains down here. So they know what he's talking. He can be pointing right there at the Sea of Galilee, and you'll see the hills. You'll see the mountains. Remember the, the swine that dove off of them? Okay. Be thou removed. Be thrown or cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe the things that he says shall come to pass. He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say unto the whosoever's in this room, what things soever you desire. Anybody in here have any desires in their life? Whatsoever things you desire. Well, I desire to be a porn star or this or that. Not, you, you, don't be the stupid stuff. We're talking about, a, he's talking to disciples, what would a disciple of Jesus Christ desire? Not, a, you know, I want to own Las Vegas. No. What would you desire? I desire happiness for me and my family. Provision for them. Health for them. For their future that I leave an inheritance to my kids' kids. In Proverbs, inheritance refers to funds, but it's just the wholeness of your life. I want to leave to my kids and my grandkids the life grandpa and dad has given them. An inheritance, amen? Okay, here you come. Therefore I say to you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you will have them. Here's the thing that the Spirit of the Lord really stuck on me on the... He's the high priest of my confession. In here, you're asked to believe without a doubt once. You're asked to say something three times. You're asked to believe without a doubt once. You're asked to speak three times. And I will say to all of us, the things we desire, the things we've prayed for, the things we long in our life... Well, I believe, I believe. What are you saying about it? What are you saying about it? I'm prophesying every day to little Merritt. Grandpa loves you. You're a good boy. You're going to fulfill the will of God in your life. 
What am I saying? I believe it. What am I saying? I believe God's word. What am I saying? The other key thing in there is the next one about you got to forgive. Your saying means nothing if you got hardness in your heart and you won't forgive people. It's easy to forgive people you love. It's much harder to forgive people you can't stand. You just like to just once get, oh Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry, but I just had to hit you once. You know, just one good clean shot, Lord. No, it doesn't work that way. It's the love of God. My faith works by love. That's what the Word of God says. Amen? I believe, will I speak it? Well, my marriage sucks. It's really not doing well. Will I believe the promise of God, and will I say it, or am I going to say what I already have? Will I agree with the high priest of my confession and his word and promises, or will I just say what I have? I have cancer. I have this. I have that. I, I don't have enough. How long will you talk what you don't have rather than say what you believe? Okay. I'll say it to you this way. Let the word do the work. I just can't. Let the word do the work. It doesn't return void to him. It'll do the job. It will do the job. It changes and is changing me. I'm saying all those guys could not believe what happened to McGaffin. And I led four of them to the Lord. Continue. I can't believe. Watch. What I'm telling you is, what are you believing? And if it lines up with God's word, the high priest is involved, and you need to speak it so that he can speak it before the Father and send the angels out to get it done. All those agree. I've been in, there's, there's coming some teachings on angels in the near future. Oh, you sound really weird. Hey, Mine saved my life enough times. Yes. Spared my kids. No. No. Don't even try there. Jesus was ministered to by angels. They're part of the end time, what we're supposed to do. They're part of the supernatural realm. They're supposed to walk in our life. I don't play games with them, and I don't sit down and have coffee with them, but they have a spiritual truth in my life to bring heaven to pass. And I intend to know more about it and share it with you. I thought I knew some. Uh, when the Holy Spirit says go back and study, guess what? I'm going back and study. Amen? Now, uh, we watched Xavier and Zion in Cancun eat every waffle that was made. In a period of an hour when we sat down for breakfast, they cleaned out the waffles. They were piled like a pyramid on their plate, and they ate them all. They didn't waste a waffle. It's not lawful to waste a waffle. <laughs> they ate them. But you know what I can tell you? That morning, X and Zy are full of waffles. That stomach is so loaded with that, if they threw up, guess what was going to come out? But you know, out of the abundance of their mouth, we're supposed to speak. Our you eating God's word to the point that you have so much it's got to come out over your life. Over your life. You know, I, I just thought of Jack. Jack uh, is part of the McGovern family, came from China. What would his life been like? And look what God's doing with it now. And I'm so excited to see as he grows and matures what he's becoming in the plan and will of God. I, I, I love being around this kid. Because I just see God's goodness and the plan developing all the way down the line. I'm excited about it. Amen. Okay? Let the word do the work. I believe, but will I speak? Yep. Just for fun, let's go to Matthew 17. Matthew 17. 
because I believe this is the right place to put it. I had it a little bit further down, but I think this is right. Matthew 17. And we're going to go with verse... We'll start in verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, that's at least a thousand men plus women and children. That's a crowd. Okay? There came to him a certain man kneeling down before him saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, sore vexed, and oftentimes falleth into the fire and oftentimes into the water. I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Jesus' response. O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long will I suffer you? Bring him to me. Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. The child was cured from that very same hour. Get the setting. I've got Mike Schaub and Howard and other ushers all around me, past Brandon. We're all here. There's a huge crowd. Man comes and said, I brought my boy to your men, and they couldn't do anything. Luke chapter 10 said Jesus sent them out and they came back rejoicing because they preached the kingdom, they healed the sick, and demons were subject to them. This wasn't the first demonized person the disciples had run into. This is the first one recorded that that didn't get set free. And Jesus called them faithless and perverse generation. Why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief, for of the truth I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, and you say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast in the sea, nothing's impossible to you. Nothing's impossible to you. Isn't this cast mountain thing the same like in Mark 11 about a cast a mountain? It says, the smallest seed you can think of is a mustard seed. I could have brought a sack of them. They're thousands. They're just that tiny that you can plant them and they're still inside of them as a blueprint of what the mustard tree should be. Something that small. Your faith only has to be that small. So when I stand on God's word that by his stripes I am healed, if my faith is only that small, that's good enough to move that sickness out of my life. But what do I have to stop? I have to stop the unbelief. What caused them not to believe they had faith, they'd seen it before. What happened with the unbelief? Because they saw the boy cast into fire and water. He threw a a demon-possessed fit in front of their eyes, and it scared them. It caused them to have some unbelief, whether they could really help. The moment they... Now, I'm talking about, if you believe it, will you speak it? It's your faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You cannot allow unbelief. Well, I want a better marriage, but look what he did and what she did. I want better kids. Look what they did. What you're seeing is bringing unbelief to the seed faith you have for the change and the miracle you need. I'm telling you, this is what the Holy Spirit told me to tell these people today. I can preach on seed, faith. But if I allow unbelief by looking at the situation to fill my head and my heart, then nothing happens. I, I still believe I have, I have faith. But you're entertaining all the unbelief. I've got to stop the unbelief. Told you last Sunday, the day before on Saturday, I had a bad day. Nothing bad happened. I was having trouble with some thoughts in my mind, and I had a crappy day. And when I got to the end of the day, I was depressed. I was down. I said, I gotta preach this word tomorrow. What am I doing? And I woke my I stirred up the gift. I woke myself back up. What are you doing, Jim?
and a guy who was a member of, there we go, of the rock group's KISS came in, Kings and Satan's Service. Okay, that's their name. And he was vile. I sold him so much junk that he bought it and made my whole day's commission. But before that, a Christian named Steve in the store realized my eyes, I looked awful. He goes, you're sick, McGaffin. Why don't you go talk to Harry and have him send you home? I'm not sick. I'm healed by the stripes. Would you shut up, Jim? You're sick. You need to go. He tried to get me to say, I am sick, and I would not do it. Okay? Then the guy came in, and I said, well, if I'm going to feel like this, this bad, I'm going to go torment that guy. So I went and sold him stuff, and when I was finished selling, I was totally healed. All the symptoms gone. But what Steve was trying to get me to say, I am sick. And I want to tell you, uh, just for fun, Isaiah 33. And this will be verse 24. And the inhabitants of Israel, this is the Lord talking, shall not say, I am sick. Okay. Now, this is where we go out of the realm of normal. The, well, you, Pastor, you don't understand my arthritis. You might be fighting arthritis, but the minute you say my, you own it. It's my cancer. It's my arthritis. It's my sickness. It's my high blood pressure. No, you are attacked of it, and you're standing in God's mustard seed faith to get rid of it, and I refuse to let unbelief into attack it. In the last few years, I got attacked with arthritis in two places in my body, right here and right here. Deborah can attest to it that, I mean, I actually wore a brace. It hurt so bad. And I determined, and I give God alone all the glory and all the honor, that arthritis is not going to spread in my body. It first started here, then showed up here. Oh, well, it's one wrist. It's got to go to the other wrist. Who knows where? No, 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 no. I don't own this. It's not my arthritis. Arthritis, calcium buildups, leave my body. And I don't have them. We're talking tearful hurt. And I, this is the first time I've said anything publicly about it. It's not my arthritis. It's not my cancer. The stuff he paid for on the cross with the stripes on his back. But the minute we take our word of faith that we stand on and we say contrary to it, we're supposed to be speaking in alignment with it for the high priest of our confession to say something about it to cause change. And you speak to your mountain. You speak to your fig tree. You speak to your situation and command it to leave. That's how we got born again. We believed in our heart and we confessed. That's how we won't go to hell. Because we chose to believe and speak. That is the way that we got into the kingdom. That's how the kingdom works. Just say this to you. With a yes, sir. Proverbs 13 just says this. This is uh, verses 2 and 3. A wise man, by the fruit of his mouth, enjoys good. One who speaks without thinking before he's... Okay, the man who thinks before he speaks protects his life. I just had to say it. No, you didn't. I just couldn't help myself. Yeah, you could. If you're standing in front of, let's say, uh, an army of a couple thousand people, you might hold your tongue. You, if I put a gun to your face, you might change your voice. Well, I just couldn't help myself. Yes, you can. And if you think on God's word, you're going to have good come into your life. Well, you can be busy 
so much. Maybe I'll go, be allowed to go further next week on this. Let me read to you Romans 10, verse 10. For with the heart, everyone in here, a man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. I believe confession is like faith comes by hearing and hearing it continues. I believe confession is you confess it all your life by what you say and do. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I changed how I behaved. My words changed. I told you I played in a basketball game, and I loved to play basketball at that time. And I took a jump shot near the free throw line, and the guy guarding me put his fist between my legs and hit me hard. And I was not happy. Imagine that. They got the rebound. They headed down there. I'm getting my breath back, and I'm mad. My mouth went crazy. I said words I didn't know I knew. I think I made up a few. I was so mad. I'm going to go down and beat the snot out of this. I'm going to have a fight. Not my first fight on a basketball court. One of many. Okay? And all of a sudden I hear, you can't talk like that and speak for me. I'm in a ball game. I'm hurting. I am losing it mad. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me that I can't speak for him if I'll talk like that. You know what I did? Didn't get a fight. Shut my mouth. That changed my cussing ways right then. I made confession. I made confession towards something. Now, this is my last scripture of the morning, supposedly. This is Romans 4.17. Jesus is writing to Gentiles. Gentiles. They weren't raised Jews. You got, the, you got the Jewish mindset, you got the Gentile, the Roman mentality, you got all that going on, and this is what he tells them. As it is written, I have made thee, talking about Abraham, the father of many nations, before him who believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. Brethren, I want you to start calling things that be not as though they were. But you don't understand. I understand. Trust me, in the things I've gone through in the last two years with Deborah and I have gone through together, you better learn to call things that be not as though they were. I call it, you better have an attitude of faith. My John Wayne's coming out of me. You want to fight? I'll give you a fight. I'll call things that be not as though they were. I'll call this healed. I'll call this blessed. I'll call this done. The high priest of your confession wants you to say three times more in your day than what you just believe. And in saying it, he wants you to call the end from the beginning. And he'll watch over his word to perform it. He'll hasten it. It'll never return void. Never return void. Never. Never. It just doesn't return void. And I know everybody in this room, to whatever degree, we've talked about some of your testimony. You've seen the hand of God touch your person, your life. You know that he's involved in you. I am trying to get you to where you're more involved and his word is more active and alive in you and out of your mouth to bring about what we're supposed to have. Because I don't want to just say what I have. I uh, shared this a month ago. I'll share this story one more. Then we're going to pray and we're going to worship and receive an offering for today. But my mom didn't want pets. She didn't want pets. I always wanted a dog. We're not getting a dog. We're junior high age, I am, and we go out to Hanson's Lake every summer for a week at a friend's bar's cabin, and out there was this wonderful little beagle dog 
probably 35 pounds, and he and I fell in love with each other. But he was a smart dog. He went up on the patio where my dad was playing solitaire and stuff and started nudging my dad to pet him. My dad, who never had a dog growing up, fell in love with him. We named him Clyde. My dog, my dog Clyde. Dad and I went to mom and requested Clyde because he's a loose dog. No collar, he's just a lake dog. Let's take Clyde home with us. No, we really want him. We won out. Clyde came home. Clyde was wonderful. 51st and Farnham, right off of Dodge Street. You have a block. You have 60 kids under the age of 16 at all times. We're just a big Catholic block of families and stuff. And we have Clyde. Clyde could run free. Didn't have to be on it. He, he knows everybody. You let him out the door, he will then pee and poop in the backyard, never in the front. He always goes in the back. Then he takes off. He has to make his rounds. There's people giving him food, petting him. He's making the rounds. 51st Street, 51st Avenue, he owns it. Cross over Farnham Street, and there was the Neary family, and they got a mutt dog named Sam. Sam and Clyde became best friends. The two of them worked both sides from Dodge Street to Howard Street, 51st and 51st Avenue. Everybody knows them. But I needed Clyde to come home. And so I went to the front porch, and I yelled, My dog's gone! Oh, my dog is gone! The Watkins and Thompsons and other come, Jim, what's wrong? I said, my dog's gone! Well, have you called him? No, I'm telling you what I have. I can't lie. I can't... My, i got to say the truth. Oh, I have a sickness. I have this. i I got to tell... I can tell you what I have, but if I want my dog, i got to call him. And this is my voice. Let's try to save yours. Clyde! He can hear it on 51st Avenue. He comes home. He's coming, he runs wherever he's up on 51st Avenue. He comes down Farnham Street, and then he cuts off the driveway of the walk-ins up on top of their hill, because you have to go up about 10 steps to get to the next step. It's up on a little bit of a hill house. And he comes around, and now he comes down the bank. He's got his little butt sliding down the bank. You know, when a dog thinks he's in trouble and he's lowered, he is sliding down the bank. And he comes over, and I pet him, and we got to go in the house and lock where we got to go. But I can tell you all day long, my dog's gone. And you know what? My dog is gone. But I called him by name what I wanted, and what I couldn't see, he still heard it. And he came. God's wanting you to do more of that in your life. To do more of that in your life. More of that in your life. To love your wife, your husband. To love your friends. To see the future God has for your kids. Will you see yourself, what do you look like in 10 years? Well, Jim, did you see yourself? No, but I'm preaching better than I ever have in my entire life in 40 years as a minister. I'm preaching more anointed and better now than when I first started. I was hot and good back then. I'm hotter and gooder now. I'm simply telling you, what are you looking for? I'm looking for the plan and will of God to be manifested in my life. That's what I'm speaking about. Physical conditions, concrete, blow right by it. But I'm looking for what God has for my life. What are you calling home? Do you believe it? Will you speak it? Will you speak it when what you see is contrary? When your feelings get hurt, when you get disappointed, and even filled with anxiety and or depression. I sat there Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon feeling sorry for myself in my head. Nobody knew it. I knew it. Jim, what are you... What are you doing? Anybody ever have to wake themselves up? If I teach you 
line upon line in the, line, the life of David and anything else, that's great. I'm trying to teach the things necessary for this church to have God's will in its life, why we were birthed as a church to win souls to affect this city. Well, we're just in this little building. Do you know we affected the city with a congregation of 100? Pastors never got together. We brought them to dinners. We were down at 15th and Hickory in a little building. We did. You know, we affected the city, did the 99 and everything that no one thought could be done with a church of 400. I know we're not as big as big. big, It doesn't matter. What are you called to do and what are you speaking about it? We got a job to do. To do that, all of us have to grow more in God. And we have to have a testimony that people go, wow, I want what you've got. When I gave the testimony of God healing my right knee on the front porch of my house, Bobby Harold gave his life to Jesus Christ right then. What did God do in my life? Let me show you. You knew I wore that brace. I don't wear it anymore. Bam. Gary Kinzel. Tree Rollins. Miracles. Because I got a testimony. I got a testimony. You got one that nobody else has. And you can share the love of Jesus with people that you're the only one that gets to them. You're God's agent. He is the high priest of your confession over your life now and what you're doing for the kingdom of God. So believe it and speak it. Amen? Amen. Cool. Cool. Hallelujah. I love you, Lord. I love you with all my heart, Lord. Can you give me 10 minutes or less? I would like to receive the morning's offering. You believe and you speak over it. I believe that this tithe and 